Welcome to an all-new fun-filled edition of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the social media streets, as the kids would say, at Twitter and IG at SidKid80. Once again, on Twitter and the IG at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can go to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com for all your news, sports, politics, and culture for the latest in, on, on those uh, subjects and more. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply searching for War on Anger. Wherever you download your podcasts on all podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio, make sure you ser- type in that search engine box, War on Anger. And we're also on YouTube, a.k.a. The Tube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You, you go not only listen to us, but you can watch us do our thing live. Hello. Hello. All right. Uh, <laughs> Look alive, whatever. folks. Whatever. <laughs> we exist. We're here. We're uh, here. <laughs> our top story for this segment, uh, a Chicago team that is existing but not existing as far as winning is concerned, is the beloved the Chicago Bears football team. Of course, on Thursday, their facilities were shut down due to a a person in the organization tested for COVID, but it was later reopened for practice later on Thursday afternoon as the Bears are preparing to take on the Houston Texans this weekend on the Lakefront at Soldier Field. Lakina, the headline going into this game is Deshaun Watson, the the fourth-year quarterback out of Clemson. Uh, he's looking for quote unquote revenge. And the reason why I use that in air quotes for those of you um, listening on the podcast exclusively is because the Bears did not talk to him when they selected Mitch Trubisky. And of course, we all know the, uh, the fame story that Patrick Mahomes uh, um, did not get a good look from the Chicago Bears either. Uh, if you're Deshaun Watson, you are licking your chops. Despite last week's loss to the division rival Colts, you are licking your chops to stick it to the Bears. Of course, we all saw what Patrick Mahomes did here in Chicago last year on Sunday Night Football in front of a national audience. Uh, I believe that Deshaun Watson may um, take the same page out of Mahomes' playbook and, and stick it to the Bears, especially after stories coming out this week saying that the Bears didn't even uh, consult with him. I've said before when the schedule came out that this game was circled on my calendar as the Deshaun Watson revenge game, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's good, probably going to be just that. You know, I, I mean, look, he he said in his pressers this week that you know, he has no ill will, you know, he has no hard feelings, you know, blah, 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 it's water under the bridge, but... I'm, I'm, I'm sure deep, that's usually the kiss of death, right? Because remember last yeah. year, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, when the Chiefs came here, to play the Bears, he basically said the same thing. And we all saw what happened on national television. So, <laughs> and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, I'm sure the same thing is going to happen here. Yes, he's not, yes, they're, he's not going to have, um, oh crap, uh, I just had his name. Well, they're not going to have Bradley Will Roby, who's their top uh, corner. Um, Will, Ful- Will Fuller, that's who I was thinking, who, uh, their top receiver, who both of them are suspended because of PEDs. That's a whole nother conversation that we didn't get a chance to talk about. <laughs> We, we we may talk about it, we might not, but uh, yes. But look, they were right there in that in that game game last week, and 
against their division rival, the Colts. And I, I, I think that, look, I, I think that, you know, the guys love him on the team. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that he's going to use as, as motivation. And look, you know, we know who's going to be calling the game, Kevin Harlan, Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and uh, Melanie Collins. And, and, I, and I'll say this, we'll have uh, Trent Green yelling about the Bears offense, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he won't hold back. But, uh, uh, look, I mean, this is going to be one of those – the weather is not going to be very good. So this could be one of those ugly games. It could, it could come down to the running the ball, and that will give the Bears a chance. But if you're a Bears fan, you want them to lose out so that you can get a – a, get a better, try to at least try to get a better NFL draft pick and maybe changes at the top on the horizon. So we'll see. <laughs> looking forward to this game on Sunday. And the Bears defense, as I said a few weeks ago, they were breaking. They're not broke. Of course, if you look at the game, looked at the game last week against the Detroit Lions, it, it, that game film will tell you all that you need to know about this Bears defense. Will it be still good enough to compete against the Texans? I believe so, but a whole lot of players on that side of the ball will have to step up. And like you mentioned, Deshaun Watson is motivated. He can win a game by himself. And we all know through the history of this uh, Bears franchise and definitely the recent history throughout the last 15, 20 years, the Bears struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And Deshaun Watson is very, very mobile at the top of his game right now next to Patrick Mahomes in that department. So Khalil Mack has to step up. I don't know if Akeem Hicks is going to play. Uh, he, his status is still up in the air as far as that is concerned. Cal Fuller, the defensive back, and the rookie uh, defensive back, uh, Jalen Johnson, they're going to have to have uh, big games create turnovers. And the linebackers, uh, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, they're going to have to step up as well um, because uh, that showing last week was not good. But on the flip side, the Bears' offense, until the Trubisky fumble, actually showed you so that they can score 30-plus points. Now, can they do that two weeks in a row with the, with the Texans' defense outside of J.J. Watt? Not very good. <laughs> the numbers say yes, but my logic says no. Numbers versus logic. I guess this is probably going to be the theme here for for this week, Sid. I guess yeah, for a lot, actually, that's a, lot that's a good time for this episode. <laughs> yeah, numbers versus logic. Yeah, pretty. You know, pretty. That's pretty good. Uh, look, I mean, you got JJ Watt. You got Whitney Merciless. Um, the, the their secondary is sort of suspect. I mean, I know Vernon Hargraves. He's had. He's been not been very productive. So you would think, in theory, that the Bears' offense would have a chance to go up against this. You know this Texans defense. You know I heard our good uh, good friend um, Sean Salisbury, who has a you know has a radio show down in Houston, and he said that basically. Yep, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, he basically said that the the defense, the Texans defense, has not been sort of you know, garnered any you know hasn't exceeded expectations. It's actually been worse than expected. So they've had some injuries and, and such, but you know you, you sort of wonder. I, I mean. Just when you think that maybe logic, go with your logic versus, uh, you know, versus reality thing and numbers. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering that, I'm, look, I'm sure, look, like I said, the Texans love Deshaun Watson. I'm sure they know the background. They know the gist of what happened with this meeting with the Bears or non-existent meeting, I guess, if you can, if you can say that. But 
it's going to be very interesting to see that I'm sure they want to try and play for not only for him, but for their jobs, also for Romeo Cornell, who is fighting to sort of get, at least get a seat at the, at the, uh, the interview spot for the Texans job that's opened up. And remember, they don't have a GM either. So I'm sure, you know, the, all the, mm-hmm. you know, the would-be candidates are going to be looking at this. So they're actually all, all, they're actually playing for their jobs too. So like Detroit last week, you wonder, is that going to be the kind of the motivation here for the, for the Texans at least? Of course, we can get to this time of year when your teams are out of the uh, playoff contention. It's all about jobs. It's all about pride. It's all about self-motivation because, as we say in the world of football and the world of sports in general, the tape does not lie. So uh, for those players thinking, that oh, we don't have the playoffs, so let's just get to the end of the season and just coast along. Let's just jack lag through this one. Uh, you can't do that. You're uh, – only a few people's jobs are safe in the National Football League. That goes for players and coaches. So you still have to bring it every week. And so we're going to find out who wants it more and who doesn't. Like you said, Lakina, there's still a whole lot more to, to play for. The playoffs are out of contention for both the teams, yes, including the Bears, obviously. But there are a lot of jobs on the line, whether you're playing for your current team or whether you'll be playing for another team next year. Yeah, you're basically auditioning, and like I said, mm-hmm. the weather the weather will probably be a factor too. There's going to be it's going to be very cold, so I know some people want to make that into a factor. But I, I just think that this is going to be one of those ugly games. You know, six three nine six. I wouldn't be surprised if it's end up being a, a battle of field goals. <laughs> I guess. So I, I don't really expect neither of these teams to kind of garner any points. I just don't see it happening. But, you know, you never know. We'll see how much the defense has left in the tank. I mean, you know, I think that, I think that Khalil Mack's back, not to, not to using rise, but to, <laughs> Khalil Mack's back I think is bothering him. And I think Akeem Hicks, you saw him last week. He didn't look 100%. I think that hamstring is still bothering him. So I, I, just, I just don't – I really just don't know what to expect. From that deep, from the defense, especially now at this point in the season, where you kind of feel like, will the defense say, you know what, uh, forget it, or will they kind of play, have the be able to play for pride, sort of, you know, motivation? I'm focusing on the other side of the ball for the Bears, and that's the Bears' offense. Of course, we saw David Montgomery uh, have a good game for the first time in a while in back-to-back w- weeks. Last week, he ran the ball for under 100 yards, but he was very effective against the Detroit Lions. He had 73 yards of rushing, uh, including a couple of touchdowns. So you want the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, will use that same game plan again. If I was him, you'll be smart to do that until the well one runs dry. So the Bears' offense is effective when they have an effective running game. Mitchell Trubisky, you saw uh, his passing game was effective when you have an effective running game. Of course, they had him roll out a few times, and he was successful. You, you got to get your tight ends involved as well, Lakina. Will Jimmy Graham show up again? It was nice to see Cole come in back in the end zone again. Now, can you incorporate him? incorporate him more into the game plan i hope so <laughs> well i just well yeah i mean that, that's been the problem right he's been inconsistently <laughs> they don't know where mm-hmm. to you have no clue okay where okay where what's he supposed to go and because <laughs> he hasn't and unfortunately he hasn't been in the end zone much so that 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 another thing but again i don't i and who's calling the plays is it matt Nagy? is it bill laser i don't know i i at this point i think it could be you know Wee herman i don't know but uh so I, I just think that <laughs> at, at this point, I, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, the, the offense, I mean, yeah, you probably, yes, yes, the Bears have the off, you know, if they run the ball, maybe that could, they could probably keep Deshaun and Deshaun Watson and the Texas offense off the field, you know, make, you know, wide and merciless and those guys work, but they're also pretty opportunistic. So 
Watt has shown that yes, he's getting a little bit older, but he can he can still make plays. Said they were merciless. Like, like I said, I know their their secondary mm-hmm. is not very good. Them talking about the Texans, so it's going to be who can seize the opportunities. I think. And also, too, sticking with that Bears offense, let's see if Allen Robinson can have a big game. Let's see if Anthony Miller decides to show up. Let's see if Darnell Mooney, Mooney will get more opportunities, especially down the field, even though Trubisky is back at quarterback. Let's see if Darnell Mooney will get some more opportunities, especially downfield against this bad secondary. Like you said, it's going to come down to who's going to make mistakes, who's going to take advantage of, of those mistakes, who's going to uh, go through that door and perhaps get a win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm – I mean, look, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I think this game could go you – know, I think this game's a toss-up, I feel like, because I think both teams are kind of in similar situations, and, mm-hmm. you know, both on and off the field. So th- this would be interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens because I, I, I'm just, like, not going to say it's going to be entertaining, but it'll be interesting. I'll just – I'll say that. <laughs> it will be interesting. So we're looking forward to that on Sunday. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. As we now transition to our other top story for this segment is the Chicago White Sox. They made a couple of key moves this week. Of course, acquiring starting pitcher Lance Lynn from the Texas Rangers in exchange for pitcher Dave Dunning and a prospect. And they signed free agent outfielder Adam Eaton to one-year $8 million deal with an option for 2022. Lakina, before we bring our uh, guest on uh, for the segment to dig deeper more into these moves for, for the White Sox, uh, if you're a White Sox fan, you have to be happy right now. Uh, their plan all along is when we turn the page, we're going to contend for, for a World Series. You know, the playbook doesn't look good from the outside looking in, but at least as of right now, they're sticking to the plan. Yeah, you got a veteran in Lance Lynn, a veteran right-hander, someone who is – Probably one of the top right-handers, even still, even though he's over 30 now. But I think this mm-hmm. is a big pick, a good pickup for the White Sox. They need that extra starter because outside mm-hmm. of Giolito and maybe Dylan Seas, who else do you have? So that was that was really the White Sox' biggest mm-hmm. issue the past season was the fact that they, you know, the pitching, the back end was very inconsistent. Now you got you bring in a veteran like Lance Lynn, who actually has one of the you know the lowest ERAs you know from last season who's overcome injuries. So this is a, this is a guy who, you know, can also bring that, you know, playoff experience too. So he definitely, he definitely brings a lot of that towards the White Sox. And, you know, that definitely shores up that rotation, that back end. Like I, like I said, I mean, we, we talked about okay. it when they had their shortened season, that was the biggest issue for the White Sox was that back end, but that the back end of that rotation. Mm-hmm. So I feel you know, having a guy like Lance Lynn, you know, someone who's a veteran, someone who can eat up innings, I think definitely helps. Yes, and it'll definitely save that bullpen, which was actually very good at times last year. Now ex-manager Ricky Renteria mismanaging, especially toward the end of the season and in that playoff series against Oakland. You saw his flaws right there in that bullpen. Uh, They just didn't know what to do. Now, I want to go back to that starting rotation for the White Sox. Of course, you mentioned Giolito. You mentioned Dillis Cease. Who else do they have? Uh, with Lance Lynn, you have Dallas Keuchel. I know he was injured toward the end of last year, and he lost uh, his only playoff start in, in game three uh, at Oakland. But Dallas Keuchel can eat up innings as well. He, uh, he's the uh, Sox new version of Mark Burley. He's not going to strike out a lot of guys, which we saw this past season, but he can get a lot of outs. And So they, you can argue that's the top 
you could argue that the Sox top three are one of the best, if not the best, on paper in baseball in Giolito and in Dallas Keigel and now Lance Lynn. Like I said, all three of those guys, definitely two of the three in Keigel and Lynn can eat up innings. Yeah, yeah. But the only reason why I didn't mention Keiko was because he was injured that that last part of the season. Also, to you tell you tell that Oakland the that Oakland A's playoff game, he wasn't a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of plus he's he's a, he's about the same age as as Lance Lynn. So I'm a little bit worried about his production for next season. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping he'll he'll have a bounce back here. Yeah, I, I I was listening to another podcast, and, and Dallas Keuchel was, was in, being interviewed by Chuck Garfine, and he was talking about he wanted to have a friendly competition with Lance Lynn to see who could pitch the most innings. And like you said, like, and he was injured toward the end of, end of last year. And plus, Dallas Keuchel, the year before in 2019, he didn't pitch to just about the second half of the season when he signed with the Braves because of contract disputes and, and so forth. So he's He's perfectly healthy right now. Let, let's see who's going to be the top dog for this White Sox rotation. It could be Lynn. It could be Giolito. We know Dallas Keuchel's previous history. Of course, he has a World Series ring. Let's not forget Lynn has a, a World Series ring as, mm-hmm. as well. And so that move is clearly uh, all over Tony La Russa's hands because I guarantee you La Russa told Rick Hahn and Ryan, so let's go uh, get Lance Lynn. And so that's why Lance is here. So – uh, I I, I want to see moving forward with this White Sox organization how much power, and I'm using air quotes for those listening exclusively, mm-hmm. exclusively on the podcast, how much power, and I brought this up before, how much power does Rick Hahn really have now you have Tony La Russa in the organization? Tony La Russa is like LeBron James. You know, once you hand over your control of the organization to a, to a strong personality and a knowledgeable guy like that, um, things can, can continue – to derail, but it's not derailing yet, obviously, because Larusa is getting his guys on the roster. How much input is really Rick Hahn is having on this roster? He's he's done a great job up to this point, but you could tell in that press conference when Larusa, sorry, when Larusa was hired, yeah, uh, he, he wasn't happy at all. Oh yeah, you, you could tell. I mean, I think body language, even though, even though yeah. I mean, you you tell his voice, also his body language that he wasn't very happy. Obviously, he wanted to go a different mm-hmm. route, but, you know, look, it is what it is. I mean, look, Lance Lynn's war was 1.5, which is actually pretty good in the shortened season, you know, for someone you know, in his early 30s. It's actually pretty good for a right-hander who's 33. That's actually, you know, that, I think that, that that's the kind of guy you want. And I, and I think I would like to see a, a competition, a friendly competition between him and Keiko, who could eat up the most innings. That would be pretty, that would be pretty interesting. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be inter- interesting to see what, Back to Rick Hahn. We'll, we'll see what he does, what he can do, because I know they brought in Adam Eaton. You know, we'll you know, that we'll we'll talk about it with uh with our guests in a little bit. But that that kind of surprised me that they were they brought him back considering how he left. Mm-hmm. Again, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, you get you got guys like Jock Peterson. You got the he'll be commanding a lot of money. Michael Brantley's out there too. I mean, and there there are rumors that they're still going to try to pursue him. But you think yeah, I think they're going to be he's going to going to garner a lot of money too because he's a veteran um, outfielder. But it's going to be very interesting though to see what do they decide to do. They got their pitching. You know, you're going to need another um, utility guy. Do you perhaps maybe try to get Kyle Schwarber like we could we talked about the last couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to be. I think Rick Hall will have some, have some very interesting decisions to make. 
And yes, he, he will. And also, too, let's not forget about the bullpen. Of course, Alex Colomay, I believe, is a free agent there closer. He, yeah. He's done well with the White Sox these past two years. Will you bring him back or will you slide Aaron Bummer, who was injured the second half of this yep. past season, will you, uh, the left-hander, will you slide him in to be the new closer? So there's still decisions that that will be will have to be made between now and spring training in February of 2021. Well, and we don't know how how the schedule could be will be set up for spring training and for mm -hmm. the season itself. Will it be 162? Will it be shortened? Will it be like a hundred, like it was, like it was this past season? Because we yes, I know about the vaccine and stuff, but we're already talking about it might be widely distributed until June. So do you kind of wait until mm -hmm. then and perhaps maybe ease in the crowds of it? So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the the minor leagues. I know they've they've all set. All the teams that said that their minor league systems up of the Cubs and White Sox have done so too, but mm -hmm. we don't really know what the parameters are going to be still. Yeah, the schedule as of right now is set out for one, a full 162-game season. Of course, the schedule for 2021 was released on opening day of this past season. I think the question is, will you allow fans in there to start the year? As of right now, I will say no. But like you said, because of the vaccine distribution, distribution but i think you'll start to see fans coming into these ballparks as the summer uh, goes along how many we don't know but you know some things can change you, you know lakina so i, I the, things will change how rapidly we don't know but we i, I believe that we will get a, a full 162 game schedule and the question is will you start opening day uh in april or march or whenever they do it now with fans as of right now i don't think so but you know Things can change, so we'll see what happens on that front. All right, so they brought back Adam Eaton, and I was a little surprised when I saw that because, like I said, like I said, a couple minutes ago, considering how he left the organization when he was here the first mm -hmm. time. So what, what, what do you think? I mean, look, he's a veteran, you know. He has that veteran, but he'll give you another guy that'll give you that veteran presence for that young team. What do you think about this move? It's a good move baseball-wise because he's a better defensive outfielder than Nomar Mazzara was. So of course, Adam Eden's offense is not something to to uh, rave over, but he is a contact hitter, and he can uh, uh, draw a walk, and he can create some, some movement on the base pass. Actually, he did a heck of a job uh, helping the Washington Nationals win the World Series in 2019. Of course, he could produce productive outs, so you won't just sit there and – just hold the bat in his hands. He will make contact. He will, you know, uh, create some opportunities for the other guys in that lineup. The White Sox lineup is already stacked. What did we talk about this past season, Lakina, outside of Luis uh, Robert? The defense in the outfield, uh, in particular Eloy Jimenez, the defensive outfield, their statistics were horrible. Yeah. So Adam Eaton playing in right field. He'll probably be platoon uh, with uh, Adam Engel as far as uh, matchups are concerned, of course. Adam Eaton against left-handers is terrible, but against right-handers, he's very good. So it depends on, on the starting pitcher for that day. Adam Engel may start in other uh, days. Adam Eaton will start. So uh, the White Sox are set there as far as Whitefield is concerned, but we talked about it last week, Lakino, like, you on the show. The White Sox still are in, in need of a, a need of a hitter in the designated hitter department. Kyle Schwarber sitting out there. Do you go after him or do you go after somebody else that we're not thinking about right now? 
And I think that's good. Like I said, that's, that's a billion dollar question. Do you try to maybe get more utility guys? Do you get, look, Schwarber's out there now. Do you, I'm sure you can mm -hmm. get them for a pretty decent amount, but you wonder, you know, who's going to, who's controlling the paychecks here for, <laughs> mm -hmm. for, for the White Sox? I mean, will it, will it be La Russa? Will it be Rick Hahn? Will it be a collaborative mm -hmm. effort? Who knows? I mean, that's something that we're still trying to figure out. Yeah, as I said before, it could be a power struggle now since LaRusso was hired by Jerry Reinsdorf to uh, help the White Sox bring a World Series. How much does how much say does Rick Hahn have now? Uh, he he done a great he's done a great job up to this point in, in building a roster and building the minor league system. But will he get his way on certain moves, or will LaRusso get his way on certain moves? That's the million dollar question here. Could be very interesting to see what what they do because I I feel as though that maybe I think it's going to be collaborative, but I think there's going to be there's going to be some disagreements as to which you know which ranges they decide to pursue. That that's going to be sort of like that's mm -hmm. going to be kind of the million dollar question. I mean, there there are guys out there. We know Stroma said he doesn't want to come, so mm -hmm. that that's over and done with. Trevor mm -hmm. Bauer's still out there, um, you know, on the pitching side, and you know, there are a lot of. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Michael Brantley and Jack Peterson are some of the other free agents as well. And if teams do decide to do, do teams decide to spend, maybe perhaps, you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of these teams are going to be crying poor, you know, because of COVID, some of these teams, <laughs> you know, because of COVID, you know, because they couldn't recoup that money through revenue for tickets and whatnot. So I'm very interested to see how much money some of these teams do in a plane, paying these free agents because I, I just, it's going to be, like I said, the numbers, what are the, are the numbers going to be like at a flat rate? I, I don't see anybody being signed for $300 million. That's not happening. Oh, no. So, no, it, and also, too, uh, going back to the White Sox real quickly, Kina, uh, also Jose Catana's out there. Of course, he, uh, he was injured for most of this past season with the Chicago Cubs. He paid dividends immediately when he was traded there a couple of years ago, but uh, he's just haven't has a he's just hasn't had a chance to stay healthy. So hopefully, if the White Sox uh, look at him as an option and bring him back, he doesn't have to be the guy guy like he was when he was here the first time with Chris Sale. So Jose Quintana, if the White Sox should look at him and pick him up, he could be a, a the back end another back end of that rotation or somebody as a long reliever out of, out of the bullpen. You can never have enough uh, starting depth pitching because of uh, potential injuries. Oh, we all know that it, that it happens all the time. So you can't never have enough guys. Oh, no, no, no. More, more depth. More pitching depth is actually what you want, especially if you're trying mm -hmm. to go to a World Series. Like we were saying before, you know, the starting lineup is stuck. I mean, do you, add, do you add an extra utility guy? Of course. But on the pitching aspect, on the pitching side of it, yes, you definitely have – you can never have too many pitchers because especially as the playoffs come, especially if you're talking playoffs and also a long run the playoffs, you're definitely going to – Gonna need more pitching because that wins you more than hitting. Yes, it does. The the old saying goes, uh, "Great starting pitching beats great hitting." So the White Sox on paper they have it right now. They have the hitting, but if you if you're the White Sox, will, uh, will you use uh, this past year's experience to carry you through in 2021? And you have that veteran uh, presence with Lance Lynn. It should be able to work on paper, but you know, like in a uh, chemistry. And time, it takes time with a new group. Also, a new manager as well, trying to yes. coach that, trying to coach and develop that new group. That's another thing that's going to be very interesting. 
So while we're still waiting for our White Sox guests, we'll go to the other side of town with the Cubs. Not much going on in the Cubs front. Um, they're apparently they're, they're looking for a new uh, announcer for their marquee network, of course, with Lynn Casper leading to join the White Sox radio booth for ESPN 1000. Some of the names are be floored around. Um, of course, Chris Myers, we talked about it last week. He's already on the roster. Um, John Shiambi, you know, national guy for ESPN. Uh, Joe Davis, you know, who does both Fox and also does Dodgers, Dodger games. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, there are a lot of names being floated around. Who do you think is going to end up getting the job? I know Chris Myers is a front runner, as we reported last week to various sources. Of course, John Boomshiambi, of course, another former Florida Marlins announcer. He's done a great job with ESPN and Sunday Night Baseball on the radio for the last few years. Uh, I, I still don't see Joe Davis leaving Los Angeles, now the world champion, Los Angeles Dodgers, and plus he has a network gig with Fox. I just cannot see, see him leaving uh, that perfect job, quote-unquote perfect job, to come here. I know this, uh, it'll be another step up uh, for him, uh, for another powerful organization. I just don't see um, Joe Davis do, doing it right now. If he comes here, that's cool. Uh, I, I think Cub fans will love him. But I, I still think it's going to be Chris Myers because of uh, financial uh, dealings, because he's already on the roster. I, that's just the way I see it. Unless there's a few more names that are talking to that we don't know about, I, I still think it's going to be Chris Myers. I, yeah, I agree. Unless there, unless there are some days that we just don't know. Like I said before, he's already on the roster, so you don't have to pay him a lot of money. So I think they may just he may end up getting him. The, they may he might just end up getting the job. I mean, I don't. Like I said before, you know, we mentioned a few other names. I don't see them leaving their current gigs to come here because, especially since you don't know what kind of team the Cubs are going to be next year. You know, so maybe you might be calling him a Florida, a Florida Marlins type team these next couple of years who, with a couple of, you know, veterans, you know, sprinkled in. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, Len felt that he, you know, was leaving a sticking ship basically. And maybe that's why he ended up going to the White Sox. So I, that might be one of the reasons. So we, we don't really know, but I don't think that was it, but I, I think that kind of played a part. Yeah. I, I can see that angle going on right there because the, of course, uh, Theo Epstein uh, decided to step down. Of course, there's changes coming. We, we've been, excuse me, talking about it for the last couple of years for the Cubs. It's just had, that big move hasn't happened yet. But uh, with, with that move now with Jet Hoyer being in charge of uh, day-to-day operations, uh, change is coming. So I can see that angle why Lynn Casper is leaving. I, I know that he left for the White Sox. I know that he, uh, Ernie Harwell is one of his idols and his mentors. Uh, so he, he always loved radio. So why uh, why not go jump at uh, um, at another opportunity uh, in the same town where the team is uh, potentially uh, rising up and has the potential to win? So from a business move, I don't blame Lim Casper for doing that. You look for the best opportunity in any business. Oh, of course. I mean, especially since, you know, you get the stock. You, got, you go with the team whose stock is up. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking that's probably another reason why he ended up going to the White Sox because you know they're they're the hot they're gonna be the hot team they're gonna be contending for the next few years. So yep, been there, been there. I mean, he's been there with the Cubs. You know, in the early years he was doing it. So been there, done that. 
All right, joining us right now, he's a, a podcast host and writer for SoxMachine.com. He could be followed on Twitter at SoxMachine underscore Josh. Once again, at SoxMachine underscore Josh. He's, uh, no one does it better than Josh Nelson. Josh, uh, welcome to Second City Sports. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me. No problem. Absolutely. Uh, Lakina and myself, we've been discussing the White Sox for the last few minutes. Of course, they made mo major moves uh, to bolster their roster earlier this week. We'll, we'll start with the Lance Lynn move. Of course, he was traded from the Texas Rangers to the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Dave Dane Dunning and another prospect. Of course, Lance Lynn's name was rumored uh, during this past year's trade deadline. Of course, the asking price was too high. On paper, Josh, as I said before, the White Sox are with this move are moving towards uh, building a World Series contender. What are your initial thoughts? I think the acquisition of Lanson was very good for the Chicago White Sox. Now they have what I feel are two preseason top five American League Cy Young contenders in Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn. The thing about Lance Lynn, and I know that he is not one of the sexy acquisitions of this offseason for White Sox fans, and it's easy for him to hide uh, when he's pitching for the Texas Rangers, a Rangers team that hasn't been very good uh, in the last few years. But Lance Lynn is exactly what the White Sox need in the starting rotation. They needed another workhorse that they could count on to make 30-plus starts in a season and to pitch at least six innings to reduce the amount – of need and stress on their bullpen, which is what we saw in this 2020 season. Even though it was just a 60-game season, towards the final two weeks of the season, outside of Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, there wasn't a lot of confidence that any other White Sox starting pitcher was going to go five-plus innings. And when you struggle to do that routinely, uh, you're going to be having relievers having to pitch two, three, sometimes four games in a row. And that just adds too much stress to that particular unit. So by adding Lance Lynn, the White, the White Sox get another frontline starter, which is really needed to win the American League Central because Cleveland's still going to have Shane Bieber and they're going to have Zach Plesak. And they're really high on Tristan McKenzie and which McKenzie threw the ball really well for Cleveland. And who knows, they may decide to keep Carlos Carrasco. That's still a good starting rotation for Cleveland. And for Minnesota, they still have Jose Barreos, who's always been difficult to the White Sox. Kenta Maeda was a top three. He was a, he was a finalist in 2020 for American League Scion. And Michael Pineda, when he returned from his suspension, he was throwing the ball really well as well for the Minnesota Twins. So in this division, even though Kansas City and Detroit are rebuilding, it's a need for the contenders to have at least three starting pitchers that you could count on. And the White Sox acquired that guy in Lance Lynn. Are there any other uh, pitchers, uh, free agent pitchers that they're, that they're going to pursue, whether it's a reliever or starting Josh? Well, the, the hottest news right now, as far as the free agent possible free agent acquisition, that's got a lot of smoke is former Oakland athletics closer, Liam Hendricks, in which the White Sox got to see Hendricks in the wild card round of this postseason. And he just does his job differently in the ninth inning than Alex Colomay. Alex Colomay was effective in closing games for the White Sox. It's just that Colomay really counts on his cutter. 
uh, and his fastball combination. He doesn't strike out a lot of batters. It's a lot of batted balls in play. If, if, if it's weak contact, you could count on the defense to make the play. Uh, but every team is kind of moving away from that type of formula when it comes to relievers, especially high leverage relievers, because you just don't know. If Major League Baseball changes the baseball again, where we get the bouncy ball, and suddenly it's a lot easier to hit home runs, well, you don't want your closer to be a type of pitcher that allows a lot of contact. You want to move away from that and get someone that could strike out a lot of batters. And that's Liam Hendricks. Hendricks throws 98, 99. He's got a fantastic curve. He can actually throw somewhat of a combination of four pitches uh, to hitters. And instead of trying to induce weak contact, weak grounders to close out games, Hendricks is someone that you have confidence in that can strike out batters at a high frequent rate. Uh, so the White Sox do decide to spend some money. I, I, I see them signing Liam Hendricks to be their new closer to replace Alex Colome. On the starting pitching front, it, it's a really uh, – it's a situation as far as how much money it's going to require. And this may go into late January. Maybe there is a reunion with Jose Quintana. Uh, James Paxton is still available. Taiwan Walker threw the ball really well last year for the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's a free agent. I don't think he'll cost that much. And we're, we're talking as far as money-wise, six to maybe $8 million contract. But the White Sox clearly have a budget that they're working with in this offseason. And if they do sign Liam Hendricks, I, I'm curious to know just how much money they do have left over. And if it is just seven or $8 million, how do they spend that money? Do they go get another starting pitcher or do they take a shot at someone like Kyle Schwarber to be their DH in 2021? Because that's another area in the lineup the White Sox do have to address before next season. And that's where this offseason could be really intriguing is how do the White Sox navigate spending money with their budget and what type of players they could bring in? Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com has joined us right here on Sega City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Josh, let's stick with the Sox outfield for just a moment. Of course, the other free agent signing uh, this this past week was Adam Ian. They, they brought him back. Of course, Ian played for the Washington Nationals the last couple of years, helped the Nationals to the 2019 World Series title over the Houston Astros. In baseball sense, the, the Eden move makes sense as far as defensively is concerned. Offensively, he can produce productive outs. He, uh, uh, he can move base runs. He can find uh, all kinds of ways to get on, on base. What did you think about this move? And do you think that he's grown up? Because we all know that he didn't leave here on such good terms. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, the, that's the lasting impact or the lasting image for White Sox fans with Adam Eaton is how everything ended, especially with the 2016 season. I have doubts if this is the right direction for the White Sox to go in right field. My thought process is, is that the White Sox need to find a long-term solution for this position. I do not think it's wise for them to continue to go year to year. I think they honestly thought trading for Nomar Mazzara last year during the winter meetings that they at least had right field taken care of for 2020 and 2021. And Nomar Mazzara played 
a lot worse than we were expecting him to play. I didn't like that trade. I didn't like that target for the White Sox in right field because Nicholas Castellanos and Marcel Azuna were still free agents and Mookie Betts had not been traded yet from the Boston Red Sox to Los Angeles Dodgers. I felt last year there were better options available for the White Sox in right field, and they decided based on their budget and what they wanted to spend money on, which we ultimately knew that to be Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keuchel, that they could only spend X amount of money on right field, and that's why they traded for Nomar Mazzara. And I feel this is a very similar situation again. And Rick Hahn even touched on this yesterday during his press conference announcing the signing. Sure, the White Sox had the budget to go out and sign George Springer, but they view their roster as having many holes, and they would rather sign four players to cover as far as their budget rather than sign one impact player. And I can understand that to a point, but I do not feel like right field is still addressed long-term for the White Sox. And Sydney, I think we're still going to have this conversation a calendar, a calendar year from now. Next year at this time, <laughs> you'll bring me back on your show asking me about who the White Sox just signed to play right field again. Uh, for the 2022 season when they buy out Adam Means' contract. Uh, that's just how I feel about as far as this signing, that hopefully it works out for them. But these type, these type of one-year contracts for the White Sox have not worked out for them, especially during Rick Hahn's tenure as general manager. And I'm just not having high expectations right now. Joss, what about who you think is gonna gonna get pulled up purse strings here? You got you know Rick Hahn, who was not very happy that Tony La Russa ended up getting the White Sox managerial job, or will it be Tony La Russa, who has experience but hasn't been who's still been around the game? You know he hasn't done any managerial stuff in a few years. So mm-hmm. when it comes to you know pursuing more free agents, who do you think is gonna be you know get the edge and like you know in this push pull here? You know, that's a good question. I think it could be a combination of the two. That's why I was always skeptical about the Tony La Russa hiring for the White Sox. And it's one of those, be careful what you wish for, because you are right. In the last nine years, Tony La Russa has been advising front offices in Major League Baseball. He's essentially been doing Rick Hahn's job for the Arizona Diamondbacks and also uh, during his time at Boston with Dave Dombrowski. And he's had some success and he hasn't had a lot of success, especially in his tenure with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And now he's your manager. And he's also the guy who's really good friends with the owner. So that puts Rick Hahn in a, t- in a tight spot in the sense that if LaRusso really wants a guy, then I don't think Rick Hahn is a choice. He's got to go along with it. And he's going to have to say, yes, this was a collaborative effort. And that's why we brought this player in because everybody was on the same page. Well, you don't have a lot of leverage right now. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so I, 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 it is a bit curious on which of the targets, if, if people are trying to divvy up as far as credit on who, did, who finally decided to pull the trigger on Lance Lynn. There's a little bit more to that story, especially from the Texas Rangers and Lance Lynn side that uh, we didn't know about regarding as far as why didn't the White Sox acquire him at the trade deadline last year if he was available or Adam Eaton. I, I think 
the targets that the White Sox are going for, as far as the big name targets moving forward, like Liam Hendricks, I think that's been a player on Rick Hahn's wish list, especially what he saw Hendricks do to his team last year in the postseason. And that's the type of reliever that Rick Hahn has built as far as his bullpen. Because look at all the arms in this bullpen Cody Hoyer, Gary Crochet, Aaron Bummer. Everyone's throwing heat. And when you bring in Hendricks, that's another guy that's throwing 98-99. And that'll just make it a lot more difficult on opposing teams to make really good contact in high-leverage situations. And if your bullpen could lock those high-leverage situations down, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. And that's where you can build a path to 90-plus wins for the 2021 Chicago White Sox. But you do raise a very interesting point. Uh, I'm curious on how this dynamic will continue to work throughout this offseason and how this dynamic works heading into the trade deadline because we learned how this dynamic worked between Rick Renteria and Rick Hahn in this past trade deadline. Renteria asked for pitching help and Hahn said no, and the White Sox didn't make a move. If this happens again and LaRusa says, I need pitching help next July, I'm sure Han's going to say yes, because LaRusa, if he hears no, he's going to tell Jerry, Jerry, I need another pitcher. And guess what? The White Sox are going to get another pitcher. <laughs> oh my. Josh, Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com is joining us here on Second City Sports. Josh, another position that the White Sox uh, need to fill, and fans, fans better pay attention to this, is backup catcher. Of course, James McCann signed a free agent deal with the New York Mets. Of course, he was Giolito's personal catcher the last couple years, and McCann made an all-star team in 2019, in 2019 along with Giolito. Uh, who's going to fill – uh, fill in that spot. Will it be Zach Collins from the minor leagues again, or will it be another a free agent? It could be another free agent target. I'm curious on how the market is going to play for Yadier Molina. I feel like Molina and St. Louis are going to come to some type of agreement to at least bring him back for the 2021 season and have him be the everyday catcher. I get the impression that Molina wants to be the everyday catcher, and he feels he should be the everyday catcher wherever he signs. Obviously, that will not be the situation with the White Sox. However, if we get closer to spring training and Molina doesn't have a job, would Molina take the minimum league salary as a veteran, two, three million dollars, to rejoin LaRussa and chase another world series ring maybe um but if it's not molina i do think that the white Sox, again because of budget reasons may just stick with the internal options of zach collins yuri mercedes or sebi zavala they have three catchers right now that have already played triple a and it's one of those moments that they either they're either major leaguers or their career minor leaguers Somebody needs to figure it out and they may go that route because it's, it's the cheapest route. Yeah. The, the only concern with this route is that you're really hoping that Yasmani Grandal stays healthy and that he could catch 120, 130 plus games for you because I just don't like the defensive profiles for these three catchers, maybe Collins and Mercedes 
They could be frisky and they could hit well for a couple of weeks to merit a spot on the major league roster. But it is going to be a weakness heading into uh, the 2021 season. It's just the White Sox were spoiled last year having two starting caliber catchers on their roster. That is not normal in Major League Baseball. So the White Sox weakest starting uh, weakest roster spot for the 2021 season as backup catcher, I think that's going to be okay. Now, now Josh, um I'm I'm kind of wondering where do the Sox stack up with you know the other teams in the AL Central? I mean, Minnesota, you know like you mentioned earlier, they're still going to be right there. Cleveland, it looks like they're they're shedding sal they're shedding salary. I mean, the other two, you know, Kansas City and Detroit, they're kind of in Reboot mode, although Detroit made things interesting for, you know, for a little bit this past season. So where do you think the White Sox stack up and are they the, the you know, the odds on favor to win the division next, next season? As we are speaking on December 11th, I think you have to consider them as the favorites to win the American League Central because they have made the moves first. They acquired Lance Lynn while we are still waiting on what the Minnesota Twins will do. Uh, right now, Nelson Cruz is a free agent, and that would be a blessing for White Sox fans to never see Nelson Cruz again play for the Minnesota Twins. He's just been a nightmare against the White Sox. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, he was very good for the Twins in 2019, didn't pitch much in 2020, but he's a free agent. So those are two areas that the Twins need to address, and they let Eddie Rosario go. But they have an internal solution, Alex Krilov, that they're very high on. He's one of their top outfield prospects in the farm system. And he's a top 50 type of prospect as well. He's got a lot of a potential. So they had an internal solution for Eddie Rosario to let him go. But, you know, everything that I'm understanding, talking to people in Minneapolis and reading what's being reported about the Twins is that there's even questions about shortstop with Jorge Polanco, if he is the best shortstop solution that they could possibly have. Or are there, uh, is there an opportunity that they can go get ex-White Sox and uh, Oakland Athletics shortstop Marcus Simeon in free agency? The thing about the Twins is that the White Sox were very active in the early part of the offseason. They got Yasmani Grandal, and they got Dallas Keuchel. And the Minnesota Twins eventually did counter with Kenta Maeda and Josh Donaldson. I do feel like because the White Sox have acquired Lance Lynn, the Minnesota Twins are also going to get themselves a starting pitcher. If the White Sox sign Liam Hendricks, I'm betting that the Minnesota Twins also get themselves a very good reliever. So whatever punch the White Sox are going to try to throw at the Minnesota Twins in improving their roster, I'm expecting the Minnesota Twins to counter. And I'm expecting this to be a two-team race in 2021 because there's just too much heat on Francisco Lindor and him being traded this offseason. There's just too many people who are 100% convinced that Francisco Lindor will not be playing for the Cleveland Indians in 2021. And you take Francisco Lindor off that Cleveland Indians team, and they're going to struggle mightily on offense. And they're going to struggle to be a 500-plus team. And that puts them at a distant third, in my opinion, between the White Sox and Twins. So right now, it's a two-team race. And we'll see if we get more clarity as we approach January. 
Last moment or two with Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Last question for me, Josh. You mentioned some of the other free agent uh, starting pitchers in particular. Of course, uh, uh, one name that's been brought up over these last few days is Jose Catana. As I said uh, during our show today, you cannot have enough starting pitching because, you know, injuries always happen. And if you're the White Sox, if you get pick up a guy like Jose Quintana, that will be huge to the starting staff because we all know when he was here, along with Chris Hale, they were the two guys that, that ate up a lot of innings, but the team wasn't winning much. If you bring him here, uh, the, the pressure will be taken off of, him, off of him as far as being the man, but you can put him in as an emergency, emergency starter or you can have him as a long reliever. Well, it makes sense in your mind if the Sox uh, uh, would bring him back. If they did bring Katana back, you're asking him to be the fourth starting pitcher. And at the beginning of the season, you're asking Dylan Cease to be the fifth starting pitcher of the season. While Michael Kopech breaks off some rust in AAA and gets back into getting used to pitching every fifth day. Because again, Kopech hasn't pitched in a game since 2018. And okay. for what we have seen publicly – is one inning of spring training baseball yeah. in 2020 before he opted out. So it, I, I believe in Kopech's potential. Don't get me wrong. He just needs to get back into rhythm. And it's a, it's a rhythm that's really tough to do when you're not playing. Uh, so I think that's why Michael Kopech's going to start the year in AAA. And with Quintana, as long as Quintana understands that if he's not performing well, that – don't be surprised at some point, maybe in the second half of the season, you get replaced in the rotation with Michael Kopech because Kopech is the future. And the White Sox are hoping that Kopech is someone that could get some time in 2021 and maybe not having the need to sign Lance Lynn to a contract extension after this season be the number three starter for the White Sox in 2022 I could see that being the dream for the White Sox but you are right Sydney you can't have enough starting pitching and if Major League Baseball is still planning on playing a 162 game season you're gonna need eight to ten starting pitchers to get through the season because while your first three guys stay healthy and if you're lucky, and again, lucky is the key word here, and they make 30-plus starts, okay, that's 90 out of your 162 games. How do you cover the other 72 games? Because it is rare in today's baseball that all five starting pitchers are effective and healthy enough to make 30-plus starts in a season. We're talking about guys like Jonathan Stever that we saw briefly in 2020, uh, Jimmy Lampert. Uh, we saw a little bit in, in 2020. There may be pitchers that are currently not even on the roster right now uh, that may need to make a spot mm -hmm. start uh, for the Chicago White Sox in, in 2021. So I agree with you. Obviously, everything is about cost. But if the White Sox are up for bringing back players from the 2016 season like Adam Eaton, I don't think it's a bad idea in bringing back Jose Quintana to help add more depth into the starting rotation. Okay, last question for me, Josh. Do you, do you think they think that the White Sox could probably make a – do you think the White Sox should make a play for Kyle Schwarber? He's out there now. They're going to need somebody to kind of – you know, play outfield so that way we'll have to worry about Eloy diving into the stands <laughs> with or without fans. 
So, uh, and also, who else? Who else do you think that they're they're they, they should be going after, or at the, at the very least, do you think they will go after? Well, Lakina, if if it wasn't if it was my money, uh, <laughs> and I was a multi billionaire. <laughs> I would say the White Sox, you have a $150 million payroll for the 2021 season. Get me both Liam Hendricks and Michael Brantley. I think Michael Brantley would be an excellent addition to the Chicago White Sox lineup. He has excellent career numbers with runners in scoring position. And while he will not hit 20-plus home runs for you, he will hit 35 to 40 doubles, so there's still some pop in his bat. And just look what he did for the Houston Astros during the postseason. It seemed like every big hit, every run scoring hit the Astros had to take a lead in the postseason, it was Brantley at the plate coming up with that big moment. And another veteran presence into that clubhouse, one that has won before. And with him being left-handed, man, if you have Tim Anderson and Michael Brantley in your leadoff and second spot, those two guys are going to hit 300-plus. And if they're hitting 300 plus and they're getting on base better than 350, as far as their on base percentage, you're just going to give more RBI opportunities to Jose Abreu. And I think Abreu made a really good point this past season that he's still really good at driving in runners home. And that's how the White Sox can be a winning ball club in 2001 is that you still continue to feed Jose Abreu RBI opportunities. And the only way you can do that is continue to put guys batting ahead of them that can get on base, whether that's taking walks or coming up with a stack of hits like Tim Anderson does. So that that's how I feel like Michael Brantley would be the ideal this choice, but if they don't have enough money, I don't think it's a bad idea, Lakina, to bring in Kyle Schwarber. I would not bat Schwarber in the top half of the lineup. I'd probably bat him seventh in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And the role is very simple. Kyle, we need 30 home runs from you. How you do that is totally up to you because we know that you'll take your walks. But if you hit 220, that's fine. But in this particular role, we need power. And we need you to flex that power when we face right-handed starters. So for $6 million, how about you come put on a White Sox uniform and you hit 30-plus home runs for the Chicago White Sox? If Schwarber's cool with that, then I can see an agreement being made. And Kyle Schwarber is the 2021 DH for the Chicago White Sox. I think with the hope that if he has a good season, he could leverage it into a bigger deal next year. But I think they would only go that route if money is tight with the budget that they have, Lakina. I don't think he is plan A. Okay. All right. That was Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com. He could be followed on Twitter as SoxMachine underscore Josh. Once again, at SoxMachine underscore Josh. He's also the co-host of the SoxMachine podcast with Jim Margulis. They do a great job as well. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you download the SoxMachine podcast. Josh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Great job, great insight on the Southside Hitmen. Enjoy uh, your uh, – you have a great, safe, and healthy holiday season. We'll talk to you again in 2021, when, close to when the season starts. Hopefully we get a 162-game schedule in. Yeah, thank you so much, Sydney and Lakina. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Stay safe.
All right, that was once again Josh Nelson of SoxMachine.com. Check out that website at SoxMachine.com and check out the Sox Machine podcast with Jim Margulis, his co-host. They do a great job as well. Lakina, let's take a 20-second timeout, and when we return, we have our NFL picks, college football, the NBA preseason is kicking off, so we have a lot more to talk about in our second segment. Absolutely. So we'll be right back with more Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG, a.k.a. the social media streets at SidKid80. Once again, that's SIDKID80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. And you can follow this uh, show, Second City Sports, as part of the War, War Media Network. We can go to our website at www.wearegalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And wherever you download your podcast including iHeartRadio. Make sure you search for War on Anchor. Once again, it's at W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, you can watch us do our thing live. Look alive! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Okay. <laughs> you notice that, you, you notice that even though I'm in a different place uh, in my apartment, my Zoom didn't cut out when I did the hello. You that, right? I, 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 that's it. You know, like, knock on wood. You don't want to. <laughs> You've been, been good no, so far. Right. Your connection's been good so far. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's yeah. weird how that can. Ever since I moved over here to a different part of, of my house, I mean, it is it is sort of weird, right? Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Signals, I guess, you know, are stronger in some places and weaker in others. We're learning, we're learning all this as we go, folks. We've been since we've been doing this. Exactly, but. we power through as always. So that's what we do. That's what Abs we do. Absolutely. So week fourteen NFL picks. All right. So Sid, you're still in the lead. Um, but how I, much? Uh, just two. You, I think Lamont okay. gained a game on you, but I actually gained two games, but I'm still in third place. Go figure. <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll take, look, I'll take that as a victory. <laughs> but you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, look, you know, a nice performance by the Los Angeles Rams last night, be the Patriots easily, like as we figured they would. So that's, you know, the, uh, unfortunately, you know, the, it looks like the, the Patriots will probably be officially be eliminated from playoff contention. So mm -hmm. Yep, and the Rams have it clicking on all cylinders right now. So you, they could be your NFC West division champions, but we still have a, a little less than a month to go. Yep. Oh, yeah. So we're already week 14, Sid. Can you believe it? My goodness. We've yeah, I can't believe it. Even though the, all the challenges we've gone through watching football, uh, college football, which we'll get to later, but watching the NFL, we're glad the NFL started all time, as we told you guys it would. But uh, I'm just I'm, we're just glad to have the NFL here it's gone by so fast, but I enjoyed it. Hopefully the playoffs will uh, uh, will be uh, one to remember. But we'll get to the playoffs when, when we talk about it. But like you said, it's been an enjoyable uh, season so far, despite uh, what the Bears have been doing here with the Bears poop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hashtag Bears poop. Also, with a lot of Tuesday and Wednesday football we, uh, we have, I don't know if, that, I, don't know if mm -hmm. I want that as a regular thing. I don't know how you feel about that. But I don't, oh, no. I don't want that as a regular thing. Let, let's just stick to two. 
Thursday, which might be in a different network next season. We'll we'll get to that <laughs> later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, let let's stick to like you know Sunday and Monday, and and you know we'll work on Thursday. But no Tuesday or Wednesday football. That was just weird. <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more. All right, let's get to these Week 14 matchups. A pretty good one here in the NFC interdivisional matchup. You get the Vikings and the Bucks. I'm going with Tampa Bay, of course. Great job by the Vikings getting back into it and taking advantage of their schedule the last month or so. Uh, Tampa Bay, they need to get it going here after their short uh, bye week. Uh, Tom Brady, he needs to turn it around. Let's see if they can incorporate Antonio Brown into their game plan. Let's see if the defense can step up. Uh, for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is going to be on his shoulders again. And what do you do if you're the Minnesota Vikings, which you have done over the past month? Give the ball to Dalvin Cook. If he gains over 100 yards, they'll win. I'm not so sure that he's going to do that. Uh, I think it's going to be a close a, a close game. Former, uh, uh, as you will call it, Lakina, NFC Central the Division rivals, uh, oh, a rumble tumble from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, bringing it back to the present, I have the Buccaneers in a close one. Yeah, it's going to be very close. I mean, Minnesota has no room for error. They basically have to win out to be right there for mm-hmm. one of those wild card spots. So if they lose, it's bas- they're basically uh, done. So, But I am going to pick the Bucks. I think the, the defense will do just enough to slow Dalvin Cook down, make her cousins throw. We saw last week that that's not, a good, that's not necessarily a good thing sometimes. So I think they're going to mm-hmm. force him to throw, and I think that's what's going to be the difference here. And Lamont also has Tampa. So there you go. Uh, one game that I didn't think would be a good one, you know, especially early in the season, but now here we are. You got the six and six Cardinals versus the five and seven Giants. <laughs> this is a game so hard to pick. Yeah. The Giants have been on a roll these last few weeks. They had an upset win at Seattle last Sunday. Of course, the Cardinals, uh, ever since the Hail Mary victory over Buffalo, has dropped the last two games uh, at New England. And of course, they dropped one uh, at home to the Rams last week. I really, this is one of the games I really struggle to pick. Uh, personally, I want Arizona to do well, but the momentum's on the other side of the field with the New York Giants. I hate doing this. I'm going with the New York Giants. <laughs> well, look, the defense is playing. Well, look, the defense. Look, the defense is playing very well lately, and they they've been kind of been sort yeah. of leading the charge these last few weeks. I mean, it looks like Colt McCoy is going to get the start again. But I mean, God, I, Jesus. I mean, this 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 game. Like, I don't really don't know yeah. what to, what to pick because I've been on Arizona. They've been. I, I'm gonna go ahead. I want to pick Arizona because don't make me look like an idiot here, Cardinals. Because you're gonna be on my list if you don't. So, um, I, I think <laughs> I think Kyler Murray will have a get right game. I think the defense will slow the Giants down. And yeah, the other def- yeah the Giants defense is better than the Cardinals defense. But yes, weather may be an issue too. But I just. This is going to be one of those get-right games, and this is sort of a must-win for Arizona. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to go ahead and you know, bite the bullet and pick Arizona. And so is Lamont. He picked me in Arizona too. Oh boy, I'm not feeling good about that one. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, okay, a good, a good one here though in the AFC. You got the Chiefs and the Dolphins. I'll never be watching this game live via my computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Dolphins are a surprise. Uh, nine and eight and four, excuse me, on the season. Of course, the Chiefs stand alone at 11 and one. They're fighting with the Pittsburgh Steelers for home field events throughout the AFC playoffs. I think we're going to learn a lot more about the Dolphins than we are going to learn more about the Chiefs. The Dolphins, should they win this game, and this is really going to set their program ahead a couple of 
uh, steps, maybe a, a couple of steps ahead of schedule. I think it's going to be a close game, closer than what people think. But I see Kansas City coming out on top. Yeah, so I'm going I, with the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a close game. I think the Dolphins will keep it close, but I think the Chiefs are just too good. And I think that if you go by talent level, the Chiefs are better than the Dolphins. But I think the Dolphins will give them a game. Mm-hmm. It might be – it might come down – I'll give, like, less than 10 points, so, but, I, but I got the Chiefs. And so does Lamont. He also has KC as well. And the uh, interesting – well, maybe not interesting, but AFC South, you got the Titans and the Jags. Titans. Me pick the Titans too, and so does Lamont. All right, next up here, you got uh, uh, the 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 uh, well. Um, I don't know what would you call this, but uh, you got the Col- the Cowboys and the Bengals. Yeah, the ugly bowl. <laughs> the smelly bowl, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys. Don't ask me why. Six three nine three, maybe something like that. Cowboys and so is Lamont. He's also picking the Cowboys. All right. Um, Texans. Oh, wait. Oh, we'll do that one last, of course. Uh, Broncos and the Panthers. Four, a pair of four and eight teams matching up here. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, it looks like he's not going to play. It looks like, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is coming back. Uh, for, for for the Broncos, you have Drew Locke as their starting quarterback. I know there are two and four away from home. I think that program is set right by Matt Rule and the Carolina uh, Panthers coaching staff. For that reason alone, I'm going with Carolina. Yeah, I, I like, yeah, I kind of like Carolina's upside more than I do the Broncos' upside. So, also because they're at home, I'm picking Carolina, and I'm trying to see who Lamont picked. He doesn't have them in order here. Hold on one second. I know Carolina. He had it at the top, so he got, he's got no Carolina. Fact. So we got another sweep here. Um, the Owen, the first of the three o'clock games. You got the Owen twelve Jets versus the eight and four Seahawks. <laughs> I said I was. Yeah, like, I was very missing there. <laughs> yeah. Talking about a get-right game, this is a, a get-right game for Seattle. I think it's safe to say they're not going to get the number one seed, but they'll get the number two seed, so we'll see them on a wild-card weekend. Uh, the question will be, I don't know what the spread is on this game, will the Chets even keep it close? That's Especially at what happened last week against the Raiders, you uh, give them that game away. Thanks to now ex-defensive coordinator Greg Williams for doing something stupid. <laughs> I have Seattle at home. Yeah, this is one of those get right games. I think they're, I think they're gonna, Seattle's gonna pound them. I think Russell Wilson will, will throw for like four or five touchdowns. And I just think this is one of those get right games for the Seahawks. And so is Lamont. He got the Seahawks too. I think it's like 10 or 12, but I, I don't know if you would take the under or not. That's a tough one. That's why I don't gamble. So I'll let you know. Right. All, <laughs> all you gambling experts who are gonna be listening or watching this, I'll let you guys figure it out. A good one here in the AFC you got the Colts and the Raiders. I'll definitely be watching this game via my computer. <laughs> uh, the Raiders checking in at, at 7-5. and five. Of course, the Colts with a big win on the road at Houston last week. They check in it with an 8-4 and four record, 4-2 four and two away from home. Uh, the Raiders, uh, they, they, uh, they survived last week, to be honest, uh, at the New York against the Jets. They should have lost that game. Uh, they, they're still breathing around the um, wild card playoff mark along with the Colts. I think the Colts have a little bit better roster than the Raiders. I'm taking the Colts on the road. 
Oh my God! This is another one of those goes uh, those uh, toss up games. But yeah, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I gosh, I mean, after what the I would have picked the Raiders, but after what they did to the Jets, barely beating them, I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Colts. I just just because I think they have a better talent talent, like you said, sis. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick mm-hmm. the Colts too. And but actually, Lamont's got Vegas, so we'll we'll see who's right here. Yeah, this is an intriguing week of games here in the National Football League. So this is this is not we're not we're not acting up, folks. These games are too close to call. This is what happens we have mediocrity in the NFL, well, especially not with the extra wild card oh, um, yeah. teams in there. And well, here's another one. Here you got Washington and the Forty Niners. Whew, now yeah, this, another, this, another tough yeah, one. this yeah. game is tough to pick. Of course, the 49ers are trying to uh, stay in it to win it, even though they lost big on Monday night in Arizona, their new home now against the Buffalo Bills. The Washington football team, they've been on the road. They, they're in it with the New York football Giants as far as the NFC East Division title is concerned. I'm going with Washington here in a slight upset. Another one of those games where I, got, I may have to flip a coin. It's going to be a close one. Yeah. I, Gibson, you know, that, that, that turf toe injury might be a hindrance. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, gosh, I'll pick Washington, too, just because I think they've got more to play for, and mm-hmm. they're, still, it's, they're still banked up at the 49ers, I think. And But, look, Lamont's going with upsets. He's got San Fran, so we'll see what happens. All right, next up, you got the Saints and the Eagles. I'm going with the Saints. I know this will be Jalen Hurts, the rookie quarterback out of Oklahoma via Alabama. This will be his first start in the National Football League. Uh, I, the Saints' defense is very good, so they're going to give Hurts a whole lot of trouble. But I think Hurts will do good in some spots, but I don't think it's going to be enough to carry Philadelphia to a victory. I'm going with the Saints on the road. I know they're at home. I know weather <laughs> might be a, might be an issue in Philly, but – the Saints are too good. They know they're right there in the driver's seat for the number one seed. So, and I think they'll do just that. I don't know. It looks like it's going to be Taysom Hill again. I think it's going to be another week for Drew Brees, but I don't think it really – it hasn't mattered so far. It's not going to matter on Sunday. So, I'm going to pick the, the Saints. And of course, we all know Lamont's picking the Saints. So, <laughs> there you go. Go figure. <laughs> go figure, right? Big surprise. Uh, Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. Two bad teams. The difference is the Falcons are separated by one win, have one more win than the Chargers. The Chargers are three and nine. The Falcons are four and six. Damn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Another tough one. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna. I'll let you go first, Lakina. Okay. You know what? I I know they've been on my list, but and I know that Anthony Lynn said some comments. I got him in hot water. His job was probably on the line. I think this might help him a little bit, so I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chargers. It's going to be very close, but I'm going to pick the Chargers. Uh, I'll hop on that bandwagon with you, Lakina. I'm going with the Chargers. And, you know, Lamont's got the Chargers as well. So, and, and Julio Jones isn't going to play, so that, that, that's going to play a factor into it as well. So, mm-hmm. should be an interesting one, I guess, in Los Angeles. Uh NFC North matchup here. You got the Packers and the Lions. I'm going with the Packers. I think it's going to be a close, closer game than what people give it credit for. Of course, the Lions came into Chicago and, and escaped with the victory last week. Of course, uh, the, the Packers are on the top of the NFC North. The Packers should get the Lions here. So I say about seven, between seven and ten points. So I'm going with the Packers. 
I got the Packers too. I, I think it's going to be close. Excuse me, it's going to be close, but I think the Packers are going to win pull win pulling away. And also Lamont does too. He got the Packers as well. All right, a good one here Sunday night. I know NBC is happy with this matchup. We got the Steelers and the Bills. Yeah, the only thing NBC is mad about is the Steelers are not undefeated. Right, yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, it's going to be a good defensive battle. I, I see Buffalo coming out on top here. I, 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 people are overlooking the Bills. And the, the Steelers, I know the law, they weren't going to go undefeated, so they had the loss out of their system. I think this is the time they're going to struggle a little bit, but that's okay. I know they're still, they, have, they still have something to play for, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs with the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills going to put a dent into those plans. I'm going with Buffalo. I've got Buffalo, too. I mean, I, I, look, Washington kind of gave you the formula to beating them, to beating Pittsburgh. So I think yeah. it's going to be in Buffalo. So I think they're going to struggle. And I think Buffalo wins. I'm not going to say handily, but I think they will win pulling away. And so mm -hmm. is Lamont. He has Buffalo as well. This um, is scary. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Very scary. Uh all right, here in the AFC North, you got the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Another a good Monday nighter. I'm glad the guys got that got a good Monday night matchup now for this Sunday. Yes, this, this is another division a rival matchup. AFC South contenders, Browns with an upset win at Tennessee last week. The Ravens, uh, they stunk it up uh, at at Pittsburgh uh, last week. Of course, they bounced back with the victory over the Cowboys to keep their playoff hosts alive. Baltimore has the momentum a little bit. I can see Cleveland having a, uh, a letdown after a big win on the road last week. So I'm going with Baltimore in a close one. Baltimore actually has a has a, a better, easier schedule down the stretch. So and they need to win these games. I know they beat. I know they just hammered uh, Cleveland earlier this year, but like 35-6 or something like that, or 20. Yeah, that was an opening day. 32-6. Now the, the Browns have gotten better since then, but. I think you slow down. You slow down. Um, you slow, slow down. Chubb and Hunt to kind of you know make Baker Mayfield throw. Yes, he's made some mistakes too, but Baltimore's getting you know getting everyone's coming back from COVID and the you know, COVID protocol. So I'm think, I know it's just been a short week, I guess, quote unquote, for Baltimore. But I think Baltimore does just enough to win. It's going to be closer, but I than the first meeting, of course. But I think Baltimore wins it. I think Cleveland has a letdown. And so is Lamont. He's got Baltimore. So a sweep there. Last but not least, or dependent, or not as least, I guess, depending on how you look at it, Texas and Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the Houston Texans. And watch the Bears actually show up, too. <laughs> oh, look, that could happen. But like, like we've been saying, I've had, look, like I said, I've had this sort of as the Deshaun Watson revenge game. And I think he'll do just mm -hmm. that. I think he'll have his best game of the season. Throw for three or four touchdowns, maybe rush for a couple. So I think it'll be close, but I think the, the Texans win it. And so is Lamont. He's got Houston, too. This should be a good week of games, Lakina. So we'll see who comes out on top. Yeah, we're going. This is the final month of the season. So this is, we're going right down to the wire, folks. So some great matchups this week. And, you know, if you want to gamble, go ahead. It's, it's, it's fine. We can go ahead and gamble. Um, <laughs> let's go to the college gridiron, Sid. Um, sort of. Rio championship. We'll start, I guess, with the top story. As we figured, as we expected, the Big Ten decided to change the rules, you know, to the minimum games played. So Ohio State with their Michigan game, the annual Michigan game cancels now mm -hmm. because of Michigan's uh, COVID issues. 
So now Ohio State has clinched the, the North, and they'll face Northwestern for the Big Ten championship next week. So not a big surprise. Yeah, I was going to raise say I'm not surprised by this either. You have to look at it from, from two angles here. Ohio State missed a couple of games due to the other team's uh, unfortunate infractions of dealing with COVID. So Ohio, Ohio State, uh, they're blameless in that, uh, in that scenario. Number two, what's, what's better for business for college football, i.e. ESPN, who telecast the national semifinal in the college uh, national championship game? What's better for business? Having a team like Ohio State in there. So with that being said, I know people don't like it, but – What's better for business having Ohio State in there? So Ohio State, even they would uh, substitute another opponent for the game they missed against Michigan this weekend, they will uh, be the brains out of them too. So Ohio State, they met the criteria. And uh, you can get mad, but I'm not surprised by this. (laughs) This is good for business. And so they'll face Northwestern next week for the Big Ten uh, Championship. They'll probably destroy Northwestern, although I think it's going to be a slightly closer game than – what people think, but we'll get to that next week. But they earned this opportunity for no fault of their own. I'm, I'm not going to muster up fake outrage and fake anger here. This is what happens, folks. And we're on an unprecedented year anyway, so uh, the Big Ten Conference knew that uh, uh, situations like this were bound to happen. That's why I'm surprised they kind of they, they put up that that uh, requirement to begin with because they, they knew mm-hmm. we saw, you know, especially from the other conferences, you know, some of them having to cancel and postpone mm-hmm. games. I mean, you got to figure this would happen. So, I, look, I know Indiana fans are not happy about it, but this is sort of – this is what it is. I mean, we – this is totally an unprecedented year we're going through with COVID and with mm-hmm. everything else. You know, there have been other games that have been canceled. So, and plus, like we've been saying, Ohio State's the meal ticket. Do you really want to watch Northwestern Indiana? No disrespect to the Hoosiers football team, but I don't <laughs> think – you're not going to get a big rating. Ohio State brings in the ratings, so – it, 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 unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah, especially going back to the Big Ten title game for Fox, they'll be the highest rated game this year because, um, as you reported before, Ohio State in Michigan was, was, was supposed to take place this weekend, of course, due to Michigan having a date with COVID, not to make fun of the situation. But uh, that game is not taking place. They filled in another game from the Pac-12. So, Fox has to scramble to put on uh, the biggest game that, that will deliver them the best ratings. Now, with next week, uh, assuming that both Northwestern and Ohio State can stay away from COVID, they'll be Fox's biggest game rating rise uh, this season. Absolutely. So, should be, you know, uh, it'll be interesting there on what they do. And also what Fox does. I guess I don't know what Fox is going to do to fill up that fill up that time. Oh, look, they got Utah and Colorado. That should, yeah. be, mm-hmm. that should be a good one there in the Pac-12. Um, you know, this will be the, just the fourth game for Utah So with because they've had their issues with dealing with teams and mm-hmm. COVID. I mean, you look at, look at some of these postponements. I mean, Cincinnati and Tulsa, I was looking forward to watching that game in the American. They actually will play again next week for the championship. So, uh, uh, you know, depending on if there's any issues. Um, you know, Oklahoma and West Virginia, they were supposed to play. You know, that's canceled because mm-hmm. – West Virginia is having COVID issues. Um, Purdue and Indiana, both teams are having COVID issues. So yeah. we've been seeing, you know, Kansas and Texas. You know, there's stuff going on in Kansas. You know, there. I mean, there's just we'll, we'll get to it with the college gridiron, but it seems as if that it's wreaking it's wreaking havoc. You know, again. Yeah, it is. And you know, the vaccine can't get here fast enough, but 
uh, until it does, this is some of the situations that you have to just power yourself through. And that's what uh, college sports in, in particular is, do is doing. We'll get to college basketball in a minute here. But the, looking at the schedule, there's still a couple of games that I'm looking forward to this weekend. Number nine, Georgia Travis, and number 25 to face the Missouri Tigers. And, of course, at 2.30 on Saturday, I'm looking forward to number 17, North Carolina, against the U, the <laughs> University of Miami, ranked number 10. Unfortunately, they probably won't be playing in the ACC title game. No, Damn those, you, North no, Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, oh, hopefully gosh. Miami can finish the year on a, on a strong note. Yeah, should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they will, and I think this will that should be an entertaining one there. Unfortunately, no Washington, Oregon, because of Washington's you know COVID issues. Mm -hmm. But you know the Battle of Los Angeles. You got USC and UCLA. UCLA is actually not having a bad year. They're three and two, so they could probably pass through a mucky wrench into USC's. You know, I guess slim playoff hopes, if you will. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, Number six, Florida taking on LSU. Speaking of LSU, I know Lamont is related <laughs> to their program a bit. Uh, they've posed a one-year ban. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling because, yeah, I saw the state. I read the statement that they put out, and I'm like, really? Like, you, you guys are you're three and five. You guys probably weren't going to go to a bowl game or probably going to get your butts kicked anyway. You had your, a couple of your top guys actually opted out. So, yeah, of yeah. course you would pick the perfect time. Of course, this is sending from um, Odell Beckham Jr. giving away cash. You know, Justin Jefferson, who was playing there at the time, he now plays for the Vikings. He kind mm -hmm. of, like, you know, kind of let the, the cat out of the bag, you know, unintentionally, but... <laughs> So yeah, I mean, of course, you know, of course, you, of course, this is well, this year you decided to to to, uh, to take that quote unquote you know bowl ban. If you... <laughs> crazy, unbelievable. Just, just college a... sports uh, business wise, you gotta love it. All right, it's a, it's just hilarity. It's the circus. It's a circus, basically. Um, also, mm -hmm. congrats to uh, Blake Anderson. He's been named a new head coach over at Utah State, of course. He got our headlines because he lost his wife to cancer last year. You know, played very, you know, coached very well. I mean, he had, a, you know, they went to a couple of bowl games. So now he's going to the next chapter. He said this, this is definitely the next chapter for him and for his, his kids. And they're going to Utah State to sort of revitalize that program. So congrats to him. Yes. And before we move on, Lakina, how we, can we forget number 14 Northwestern uh, yes. already in the Big Ten uh, championship game? They'll face. Um, Lamont's uh, Illinois fighting the line nine. Uh, as I said in our last podcast, even though Northwest was in the title game, it's important for them to get back on track. Of course, uh, they lost to Michigan State on the road a couple weeks ago. Uh, they missed the game at Minnesota last week because the Golden Gophers are dealing with issues with COVID. So mm -hmm. Northwestern to gain some momentum, they need a big victory. They, they need to start out strong against a bad Illinois team. They'll be on Saturday on ESPN2 at 11 o'clock. Should be a fun one there. Also leading over to the college gridiron, S the SEC at ESPN have struck a, a new 10-year deal starting in 2024. They'll take over mm -hmm. for what CBS did for years, you know, having a Saturday game the week in the afternoon. They're going to have more mm -hmm. um, non-conference games and sort of like a more of a, a pick of what – sort of a, a bigger stage for – and also with because they have more channels, they'll actually be able to – you know, have their games featured even more than they already are. Mm -hmm. So another sort of business move there with the business aspect of it. As we talked about before, Lakina, a few weeks ago, will CBS pick up on the, the Pac-12 games? 
they're I think they're up. I think next season. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're CBS, yeah, you know, there's the big, there's the, you know, the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. I mean, you may, mm-hmm. you, I'm sure they're gonna, I'm sure they're gonna, oh, they'll figure out something, no doubt. Now let's go to the, let's stay in college, but let's go to the hard courts. Um, Mike Shusesky, uh made some interesting com- comments um, last couple of days. Um, of course, for those of you, if you, you know, haven't been following. They've, the, the men's basketball team has decided, the Duke men's basketball team has decided to cancel the rest of their non-conference games. You know, Gardner-Webb, Elon, Charleston Southern, they, they decide they're not going to play again until they play Notre Dame, which will be on, uh, I think, on Wednesday, next Wednesday. Actually, no, that's next Tuesday. But unfortunately, Nate Oates, who's the coach over at Alabama, <laughs> Said that is he uh, ducking the, these teams because they haven't been playing well lately. They lost to Michigan State, of course. Earlier this week, they lost to Illinois, a big win for Brett Underwood in the Illini program. Yeah, nice win for them. Um, but yeah, he says that they're they're ducking they're ducking the rest of the teams. You know, Coach Coach K said that that's BS. So what do you, what do you think about his comments and also Nate Oates' sort of you know counter comments? You, you know what? Let me turn that down. Oh, <laughs> stupid internet. Um, <laughs> Coach K, it was a combination of things. They lost to Illinois on national TV. Of course, the final line is a good team. We'll break down that box score in just a second. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, he does have a point of uh, trying to get through this stage uh, uh, in the beginning of the college basketball season. Of course, uh, they, all these teams knew that you you were going to be in in the middle of the second wave of COVID, so uh, you couldn't be too surprised right there. We were talking about it before the show, Lakina, the head coach of Iona now, Rick Patino. He said this over the summer uh, to reduce travel and reduce the risk. You should have start started the season in January, just play a conference only schedule. But as we all know, Lakina, it all comes down to the almighty dollar, and with, and with these matchups coming up uh, to start the season. <laughs> it's all about the money here so and i'm sure that what went into it is, uh, would have been the uh the amount of games because we all know that the conference games uh start in january they end in late february of course you have a week of tournaments and then you have march madness so i wouldn't mind them doing that but the bigger picture is having those uh, uh big tournaments early to start the season and with the uh, pot of gold in terms of money uh, at the end of the rainbow. Well, also too, you got to think that the lack of crowds. You know, there there's no crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, it, watching that game against you know Illinois, du- Illinois and Duke. I mean, not not seeing a crowd at Cameron Indoor. You know, being all yeah. raucous like they usually are. Not that that was weird. <laughs> and I think and yeah. it, look, even Brad Underwood admitted that 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 played a factor in them probably winning the game because he was actually able to communicate with his guys. So that, yeah. that helped a little bit. That's got to play a, a factor too. For Hay State, which is a D two school, you know, I think it's outside of Wichita. Mm-hmm. I believe they uh, they upset uh, Bruce Weber and his K State Wildcats on the at home. You know, they're at home mm-hmm. and they're on the road. So there there have been a lot of upsets, and you know, the fact that a lot of these programs have, are not able to have crowds there, or or at the very least have minimal. You know, maybe like ten to fifteen percent, mm-hmm. depending on what state you're in, and in some cases, no uh, no crowds at all. So you got to think, you know, the atmosphere or that lack of atmosphere. You know, you, you just got you know players and media people. It, it's sort of weird. You know, of course, it helps with the road teams. Of course, you get to, you know, of course, you know, we like I talked about like a, just a second ago, but it's just very odd. 
Yeah, it, it was, we talked about this before leading up to sports returning, Lakina, both college and pro. The the crowd factor was going to be an issue now with uh, with limited fans or no fans in this case for college basketball. Uh, you could tell that it's having an effect on on these kids, and they used the crowd uh, to uh, to uh, get them motivated to play. Now you see it right now. It, it it depends on who executes the best or who has the most talent. And without that extra edge, uh, you see these teams uh, uh, pulling out these upsets. Going back to the final line now, congratulations to them with their upset win at Duke on Tuesday. Now they are 4-1 on the year. Coffee Cockburn had a great game with 13 points. Uh, Trent Frazier had a, a nice performance with 10 points as well. So I'm like what those two guys are doing right now for Illinois. Let's see if they can keep it rolling because next month is going to get interesting. Hopefully they won't deal with any bigger issues of COVID as they get into conference play. Well, you look what's happening. I mean, North Carolina State, they just announced they're going to be pausing team activities. They don't even have mm -hmm. a restart date. Um, DePaul hasn't played yet because they're having issues with COVID in their program. Right, they haven't started yet. They haven't even started you know, that yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is going to be very interesting to see what – what what happens? UNLV was actually having their best start in in like I think like about mm -hmm. a decade. They had to call off one of their games against Eastern Washington because of a, a positive uh, COVID test. Mm -hmm. So you wonder like, is you know as it gets colder and colder as the winter hits, are we going to be seeing more and more of these? I mean tonight you got a great Big East um, matchup in Villanova and Georgetown, probably one of the better rivalries in, in college hoops. Also, mm -hmm. Iowa, Iowa State and Iowa. I mean, that's another good NSA rivalry. Um, you know, get to see Luke, Luca Garza play. So that, that's, that should be a good one there in uh, Iowa City. But you, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That should be fun. Uh, but you wonder, look, look, Kentucky's having its worst start, like I, like I said, in 20 years. Um, I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know that, 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 that gives you a little bit of a chuckle there, Sid, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you wonder, is there, will we reconvene on Monday? Or are we going to be seeing more and more cancellations and postponements? I hate to say it, but uh, I think so. Now, how many cancellations? I'm not sure, but you'll see, see more, like you said, Lakina, before we, uh, the end of the year. Now, the, like you said, the question will be, uh, how quickly can these programs return, especially after the new year when conference play starts? That's going to be the question. How many games can you get in uh, between January and uh, the middle of February, right before the conference tournaments, which takes place in late April, early March? Definitely a conundrum there, no doubt. So let's go to the pros, the pro uh, basketball. The NBA preseason starts tonight. For a lot of these teams, it's going to be, what, about nine months since a lot of these guys have played. Mm -hmm. The Bulls will be hosting the Houston Rockets. They'll be on NBA TV. So, we get, so you know, those of you outside Chicago will get the, the national treat. We get to see how the Bulls look with new head coach Billy, Benny, Billy Donovan. So, I, we've been talking about this for the last month, Sid. I mean, what's your kind of like your expectations or what should be, you know, Bulls fans' expectations? I think that should be a better question. I should put that better. Uh, to see who, who can play and who can, cannot play, uh, what combinations will head coach, new head coach Billy Devin will he use uh, for this uh, weekend's first set of preseason games against Houston? Of course, Houston will not have James Harden. We'll get to him in a minute. But I want to see who can play with who. Uh, how can um, – will Kobe White – will he be a starter? Will he be brought off the bench? And I want to see uh, what uh, – how Laurie Markin and uh, what, what incantry can see 
has he added? What attributes has he added to his game ever since the last time uh, the the Bulls played? It's going to be a, a big year for him as well. Zach Levine, uh, how well can he mesh with uh, with Laurie Market and or Kobe White? Will both those guys be seeing uh, seeing the court at the same time during the fourth quarter with the, with the game on the line? Uh, uh, we shall see. But with these games against Houston this weekend, I, I want to see who can play with who and what and what offensive sets will Billy Donovan run, run and on the defensive side, uh, who can step up and play defense the most? If you heard um, Billy Donovan's comments on Kobe White, he loves him. He loves what he's doing. So you got to think, are they going to build the offense around him? And mm -hmm. I think he'll probably, you'll be, you'll be playing around with different, you know, starting lineups to see who meshes well under his mm -hmm. style. His style is a lot different than Jim Boylan. So I'm already looking forward to <laughs> Bulls that's a victory in itself. Yeah, I'm saying that's a big improvement there. So I think Bulls fans should be happy about that. But like you said, I mean, I'll see. I want to know how how he uses Patrick Williams. I'm sure he's you know he's probably yeah. be coming up off the bench. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, Levine, Marketing, Wendell Carter Jr. If he can stay healthy, that's that's going to be a question that I think a lot of Bulls mm -hmm. fans going to be asking there. That young, where does he fit in all this? So. It's going to be very interesting to see. I'm actually looking forward to it, but as, as we warned you guys on Monday's pod, there's going to be some bad basketball because a, a lot of these teams have not played in a while. So I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm in 10 months. I'm imploring, like, nine or 10 months. So I'm imploring some of you to kind of be patient because you're going to, it's going to take some yep. time. I'm also, too, uh, as the preseason opens up this week, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a couple of teams, of course. Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Of course, the big news there is Kevin Durant is going to be experimenting, playing uh, the five. Of course, you could tell new head coach Steve Nash, his assistant, former head coach, that he played on the back in the day with the Suns, Mike D'Antoni. That's Mike D'Antoni's fingerprints all over that when you saw mm -hmm. what he did, if you remember, during that 05-06 season when Amari Stoudemire was out for the year with that injury. He used Sean Marion at Santa. He used a couple of different guys at, at the five as – he was trying to come up with combinations of the, to fill in Stoudemire's spot. Of course, they went to the Western Conference Finals that year before losing to Dallas. So uh, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, he'll be fine at the five, but defensively, um, you're not expecting him to guard people like Giannis or Joel Embiid for 30 minutes. That's just not going to happen. This is more about KD taking advantage of matchup on, matchups on the offensive end. And also, too, don't forget Kyrie's comments that he got fined for because he didn't want to talk to the media. That's a, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that on Monday. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how the Lakers look. Don't expect to see LeBron. You're not going to see him. And the Clippers, the Lakers actually played at night. Don't expect to see Ky uh, Kawhi, I should say. You're not going to expect a lot of the top guys. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm just going to see how um, Portland looks. And also, yeah. Milwaukee looks because I'm, 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 I want to see how this new team that they basically build around is trying to sort of get Giannis to stay with them. I'm looking forward to see what, what, how they look. Um, Golden State, I mean, no Clay Thompson, but you, but you know, you got a lot of guys mm -hmm. there that could kind of help him. I'm looking to see how Steph looks. You know, coming back from surgery. Um, Dallas, I mean, they'll, they'll always be their yeah. team to watch. Denver and Utah, those are some teams in the Northwest Division. And also, let, let's hope that, you know, knock on wood, we, you know, we don't have any stoppages or postponements. So, 
that's what I'm looking forward now, to. And also, too, with Washington, with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, yeah. they play Brooklyn this weekend. And, of course, Atlanta, they have a weekend series with the Orlando match. I want to see how Trey Young is, especially with the better parts around him now. Uh, we'll get into more into our team previews as the season uh, kicks off in le less than a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, the preseason should be interesting. Also, Phoenix, too. I want to see how they yeah. look. I mean, Devin Booker, you got, you got CP3 there to kind of sort of, you know, be a mentor to De Devin Booker. Could they be a playoff team? We'll see, but it's going to be tough in the West. I mean, they were right. Look, I mean, he, you know, Booker almost got him in single-handedly in the bubble a few months, a, a couple months back. So we'll see yeah. what, what they can do. And what about Charlotte with their young squad and led by now veteran Gordon Hayward? <laughs> that should be interesting there. I mean, <laughs> that should be interesting too. I mean, I never thought, I would never have thought out of all the teams, I never thought Gordon Hayward would be going to Charlotte. But, you know, 20, <laughs> look, 2020 has been weird already. So why not Gordon yeah. Hayward going to Charlotte? That, that's, that's a little bit crazy. Yeah, let's not forget about another team before we close out. The New Orleans um, Pelicans, of course, uh -huh. uh, first-year head coach uh, Stan Van Gundy. And the, supposedly the minister restrictions are off of now second-year forward Zion Williamson. Hopefully he's, he's in shape and he can uh, stay in games to produce for the long haul. Yeah, that's sort of been kind of like the issue with him. I mean, especially with when he came back, when the, the league came back. I mean, you can tell he, he had his flashes, but you can kind of tell he was getting tired too easily. He actually looks better. Mm -hmm. He actually looks a lot leaner now. So we'll see. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to as well. So what are you looking forward to overall this weekend? Uh, a great uh, slate of NFL action on Sunday for Week 14 in the NBA preseason. I'm actually looking forward to checking out a few of these games, including the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to the preseason. I'm actually going to be checking out with our, our buddy uh, Matt Peck, uh, Dave Watson, and John Sabah. They're actually going to be doing it through Hot Mike, so go to their respective Twitter accounts to mm -hmm. see, you know, the, watch along with them. So, unfortunately, Bulls Outsiders will not be on this year, but – they're gonna. They're still trying to find like you know, other avenues to to release their content, and I, I, I hope they can because they they they've been great yeah. the last couple of years, and hopefully we'll have either all, either the three on you know later on this season, sometime before the season starts. Yeah, as I mentioned, they have a, a big and great following, so that that should be fun, <laughs> especially with Matt Peck analyzing every single thing about the Bulls. So it, it should be entertaining. He'll be, he should be, he should be a little more calmer this time, though. He should be a little calmer now. <laughs> now he should be a little more, more mellower now, although that would be kind of weird. I'm yeah. Heck, that's a, little, that's a little odd. But uh, <laughs> I'm also looking forward to uh, the, uh, the NFL. I mean, there's actually some great games this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what, they, what you know, are we going to be seeing in the upsets. You may. You may. Yeah. As we head down the home stretch of the season in the race towards the playoffs is on. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna see a lot of a lot of teams jockeying for a position, so it might mm -hmm. be might be very it you might see a couple of upset or two. We'll see. Also, you got the Manchester Derby going to the soccer for a second. Man, you and Man City. That's always a fun one there. So, looking forward to a little soccer too. Um, also MLS Cup that's going on too. So, for all you soccer fans, you're gonna be busy this weekend as well. With that said, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-radio.com. You can also check out our podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by searching 
by simply searching for War on Anger wherever you download your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anger. That's W-A-R-R on Anger. We're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Like, comment, share, subscribe to the page, and tell all your friends. You can not only listen to us, but watch us live do our thing. Look alive! All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, look, I mean, if, when we reconvene on Monday, do you think James Harden will be in a different uniform? That hmm. is a good question. To be safe, I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I don't think he's going anywhere. At least not. At least not right now. I'll. I'll. I'll kind of cover exactly there. <laughs> so enjoy the games, everybody. You guys, please be safe out there. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. And mm-hmm. be careful out there. And be good to each other. So for Sid, I'm the Kansas This is Second City Sports. Zoom style. We'll see you next week. Till next time. Holla.